Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and oh my God, are you guys in for a treat? I got a young whippersnapper to show me how to download my old shows from when I originally launched this podcast. Holy cow. Yay for you. So today I am rewinding the clock back to January of 2011. And what I find so great about this interview is that other than being a much better interviewer now, (laughs) having much better communication skills, you have to remember this show that I'm sharing with you today was actually my second recording or third. It was my third recording uh, when I launched this show. So I was only three in at this point. So it's really great to listen back and to um, hear how much I've improved. But what's really cool is that my platform And my message has not changed. This show easily applies to our world today, despite being almost 10 years old. How cool is that? Side note, before I get into uh, what we're going to be talking about today, don't forget if you're on the Mastering Feng Shui waitlist, enrollment for the course opens this weekend. Woohoo! And We are still tossing around the idea of putting together a feng shui mentorship uh, slash support group. It's not going to be a teaching program. This is all about just getting support for quick questions that you need and learning a little bit of, you know, more about feng shui. It's not going to be a full-blown teaching program, but we've had past students who have come to us who have particular questions or they're unsure of what to do. So we feel like this might be the route to go, but we're still tossing it around. I don't know yet. I'm really busy and I don't know if I have the time for it. So it's really going to be based on interest and if it's something that's needed. So if that's something you're interested in, please email us at letschat at thegatescompany.com. Okay. So I am sharing an incredible guest, and this guest, she changed my life. So that's why I really wanted to share this interview with you, because in 2010, I came to the realization that my husband, who I had been with for 12 years, was having an affair. Now, this man was a classic narcissist. And I know a lot of you that listen to this show are healers, your woos. And so guess what we love to attract? We always attract a narcissist. It's like, you know, magnets that just attract one another. Peanut butter and jelly. We just go together greatly because we really uh, nurture them. We really feed their egos, which is why they seek us out. So when I discovered, a, you know, this affair that my husband was having, his response to me was, oh, God, 
stop being so dramatic. It's not that big of a deal. And FYI, this is the same man that also told me after I was diagnosed with terminal cancer to stop overreacting because everyone survives cancer these days. No joke. So back to my point. This was the spring of 2010, and he and I had just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. And I knew something was brewing. I could feel it down in my bones. Intuitively, I just knew that something was going on. And, you know, as coincidence, wink, wink, would have it. We all know how that works, right? The synchronicities of life. Well, I could feel this little tiny hurricane storm brewing and I turned on my favorite podcast at the time. I listened to all kinds of podcasts back then, but my favorite one, like I could not wait for her shows to come out and she only did her show monthly. And by the way, FYI, I started my podcast because of her, Kelly Howell. She had this fantastic podcast called Theater of the Mind. And I was so inspired by Kelly's podcast that I decided to start my own. And on this particular evening, she had on Psychic K. So it was such an incredible interview. I was totally inspired by it. And because I could feel this thing brewing inside of me, but I couldn't figure out what it was, I thought maybe I should reach out to Kay and get a reading. I needed help to make sense of all the things that I was sensing, but I had no idea how to interpret. So her assistant, Sarah, replied back to me that Kay was booked out until like the end of the year. And I was like, oh man, what a bummer. Like, I'm not going to be able to get in. Like, well, that kind of sucks. But, you know, and I went ahead and I booked a session, but I was really bummed. And I was like, well, I guess, you know, I'm kind of on my own with this and I have to figure it out. And I was really bummed. Well, two days later... I received a message, not from Sarah, but from Kay via an email. And man, do I wish that I still had that email, but I can't find it. So I'm going to paraphrase to the best of my ability. That email said, dear child, it's time to go. You are supported and all that you have needed and needed to learn is complete. It is time to sever ties and let go. Your health and your growth are at stake. He no longer serves you. It is time to go. So Kay followed with, "Um, I realize that you haven't booked a session and I don't know who you are, but I cannot even pee without your guides racing in to interrupt me. When I'm peeing, when I'm in the shower, when I'm cooking at the grocery store, They just keep showing up. They are very clear that you need to go. How funny is that? (laughs) So this woman who's in Brisbane, Australia, who I had never spoken to and had no idea who I was, but I had connected with her assistant. My guides were visiting her in Australia and she conveyed this message to me. And it's because of that message that I gleaned the strength and the courage to leave an indifferent and oftentimes verbally abusive narcissist. And this is what set me out on my path to be the authentic, genuine healer that I am today. 
All of the things that I do, I've been doing for 20 years. But the thing is, is that when I was with this man, I was closeted. It was only my dearest, closest friends and family that knew my secret. What was my secret? Well, it was feng shui. So all these people that I worked with in interior design, they were getting my feng shui skills. They were getting my feng shui information. They just didn't know it because I was terrified to share it. Because this man had basically put this skill set down for so long that I just shoved it way down and it was just a secret. <laughs> it was just totally closeted. But this woman right here that you're going to hear today on this show changed my life. She was the one that helped me steer my boat in the best possible direction. And I am thrilled that I get to share it with you today. I'm so excited that I get to um, bring this back after so long. And I'm telling you, when you listen to it, it's like, holy cow, it doesn't even sound like it's 10 years old. There's a couple of facts in there that are of that current time. But for the most part, the message is exactly the same. And holy cow, with all the chaos that's going on in our world right now, this is a message that we all need to hear, you know, how to trust, how to love how to understand why we are here and what we're here to do. And most importantly, how to connect to spirit. How cool is that? I do want to make a side note. Please disregard at the end of the show. You know, we're talking 10 years ago. I mentioned websites and forums and all kinds of crap about the show. None of that exists anymore. So, you know, just tune that part out. Um, but if you do have any questions or anything, you can always just reach out to us. Or if you're interested in learning more about Kay, you can go to her website. It's K the letter, not K-A-Y or however else you could spell K. It's literally K the letter. It's KTheMessenger.com. And you can also find her on uh, Facebook. So in this show, you're going to learn about finding love, overcoming fear, learning to trust again, and again, how to connect with spirit. It's as if I recorded this last week. So cool. Are you ready? Hell yeah. Let's do this. Welcome to Zen Chakra. The goal of this podcast is to bring you the best tips and techniques on things like energy healing, the law of attraction, the chakras, lucid dreaming, meditation, and emotional freedom from some of the best minds in the New Age sector. Join us each month as we open up the conversation and help you on your journey to enlightenment. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to Zen Chakra. I'm your host Amanda and today I have an incredible interview lined up with Kay from Connect with Spirit. Kay is a wonderful communicator who also happens to be blessed with clairvoyance. She is an author, an expert in the practice of energy healing, the chakras, Reiki, meditation, and she is a messenger for spirit. Her husband, Dr. Michael, who is also a clairvoyant, works with Kay and together they do individual readings, seminars, and workshops to help people further their abilities and find their purpose. Last year, Kay released Dating the Messenger, a memoir about growing up clairvoyant and living with the hardships of judgment, shame, and feeling alone. It also discusses her journey with online dating and finding love, something we can all relate to. It's a warming story that provides all of us the hope and search for true love, 
self-discovery and embracing our differences, and really realizing our own potential. All of us at one time or another have felt ridiculed, shamed, or judged, but as unlimited beings, the ultimate purpose is love, compassion, and kindness, a message that Kay expresses openly from communication from spirit. Going back to my interview with Jamie from last month, we all have the ability to find joy in our lives, no matter what our circumstances. So make the change now and follow your heart instead of your head. I learned of Kay about a year ago through an interview with Kelly Howe. I immediately set up an appointment with Kay and was astounded. Better yet, I was blown away at the things she told me. She knew things that no one would have known about me. Her message to me, I am worth it and I deserve it. She gave an incredible reading, and I was excited to head into summer with this newfound knowledge for my future, especially with so many exciting things to look forward to, not realizing I was the one that allowed free will and fear to stand in my own way, to basically stand in the way of my destiny. Just because something can happen doesn't mean that it will, but in my own fear to move forward, Knowing what I had to do to get to the other side, I became paralyzed, fearful of change and the unknown. And most of us often do. I didn't take the steps that were necessary, therefore things became stagnant. Luckily for me, my window of opportunity had not been lost and I was able to get back on track. Sometimes all you need to do is trust and take a leap of faith to allow yourself to soar. Kay, welcome to the show. I am so excited that you are here with me today. Thank you very much for having me on your show today. I've given the listeners a quick rundown of, you know, many of your successes through Connect with Spirit, but I just wanted to back up just a little bit and just get a little bit more information about you before you came became Kay with Connect with Spirit. So I know that you started seeing and hearing things right around the age of five. That's correct, Amanda. And what happened to me around about five, I began seeing spirit, unbeknownst to me. I mean, let's face it, at five, you don't understand those things. You see the normal people in front of you, and then for some reason you see other people that aren't quite solid. They're in this mist or they're in in your dreams. And it was very confusing for me, and I kept saying, to the children that I played with and also my my parents and my family members, I see all these other people. And, of course, the natural reaction, remember, I'm 48. So so back in those days it was, don't be silly, child. That's, That's nothing. You're not seeing anything. Don't be silly. And so as you go along in your years, you keep thinking that. It's just being silly. But when you have these dreams of these people in your face or crying or or being sort of really upset about things and wanting to talk to you, As a child, uh, you sit up in your bed pretty quickly and um, for many, many months, you know, those were long nights where I didn't sleep. I tossed and turned or literally sat up in bed because I thought if I laid down, they'd come back. And I didn't realize any of this and what, what it meant until I was 25 when I first understood a spiritual path. Really? 25? So it took you quite a long time to really figure out what it was that was happening. Absolutely. It wasn't until I was on a massage bed having a kinesiologist appointment and the woman said to me, so how do you like being a clairvoyant? And I said to her, what's a clairvoyant? And she began to tell me and she said, you see things, you know things, you're able to help people, strangers, you know, things just come out of your mouth and I go, oh my God. 
and I actually had a label for it, but I didn't know what it was. So going back into my years of five, and, you know, my father used to tell me all the time, be quiet. How do you know those things? Don't say those things to those people. You don't know who they are. They don't need to know that. How do you know that? That was a constant thing that I heard. And so at 25, my life opened up of, oh, my God, I wasn't naughty. This was very real. And there was information about it. And I then understood I wasn't the only person in the world that suffered from this. And I used the word suffer because that's how I was. You know, so many times when I would play with children and say, you know, the dolls would talk and I'd, and I'd tell the children. And they'd say, oh, you're silly. Go away. We don't want to play with you. So I had a lonely time and especially in my teenage years because I could solve people's problems not knowing really how, how I did it, but I just could talk. And, you know, there was a time when I was in high school that I would hide from the people in high, high school. I found this perfect little place behind the buildings in the school that I could sit all by myself, but they always found me and there used to be a queue where people would just stand and wait to talk to me about their issues. And that really blew me away. And again, it wasn't until I was 25 that I understood, wow, I did all of this because I am a clairvoyant. That label was very important for me, but very scary at the same time. So I guess it's safe to say that nobody in your family then is clairvoyant. No, nobody at all. And that's usually strange because usually there is somebody that is connected that way. Now, I'm not saying that my family are not intuitive people, but they have not put their hand up to say that they have a skill like this. But it's interesting. My father ended up doing some background work with the family tree and he found a very great, great, great aunt who was very eccentric and was able to do these sorts of things. The family did not agree with who she was and what, what she was in that sense, so they just sort of put her to the side. So I was very happy to find out that it came down the path in that sense. And my father then became a little bit easier on, well, maybe there is more to this. That's interesting because usually, you're right, usually there's somebody in the family that is alive that can guide you through the experience and not, can't imagine at five having these experiences, seeing, feeling, and, and hearing things and not really being able to explain it or, or understand it. It, it was so hard and especially to, and, you know, nothing against my parents, but they just didn't understand why I was this way, why I would say those things or why I could talk to people of their age as if I was their age as well. And um, around the 25 I embarked on, I was engaged and getting ready to be married and the stress, and this is something interesting for your listeners if they've had the same experiences. If you're clairvoyant, if you're that spiritually in tuned in that way, when you go into stress, you can go into what we call the outer, outer body field. And so as, as more stress compounds into your life, you actually step out of your body to get away from it. And I was doing that at night. I wasn't sleeping. I was actually, you know, leaving my body. And I actually was starting to visit other people, my friends and family. And I would come back into the body by the morning and I would be able to tell my husband to be, you know, all these situations that were happening with our friends. And he would say to me, you, you can't say this. How do you know that? You know, 
don't ring them and talk to them about it. But I, I was adamant. But I have to because I know that this is going on and I want to help them. And he would say, no, don't, don't interrupt that. Don't, don't, you know, leave that alone. But it was, it was something that I couldn't explain. And again, that wasn't until 10 years later from 25 that I understood that out-of-body experiences can be very normal. So, again, I thought I was stepping into this freaky road. What's next? (laughs) So is it typical then for clairvoyance to connect at such an early age? Is it it typical for them to – because I think Dr. Michael, he he started becoming clairvoyant around age nine. Is that right? That's, That's exactly right, yes. He started with the Christmas presents. He started looking into the Christmas presents that were wrapped in boxes and he understood what he could see, what the present was. He could see the colour. He could see who it was from, you know, all, all of that. And that really upset him as a child because then nothing was a surprise. Sure. Now, that's actually called remote viewing and uh, it's a tool that you can learn. Anybody can do that. But he did that just automatically. I didn't. I would just know. I didn't have to go into the parcel. I would just know, oh, my mum's got me the ring or my mum's got me the doll or I just know Santa's going to bring me this, that and, you know, whatever. So it was that knowing that I had and then I would be criticised for it from, from my peers because I was then called a snoop. So for Michael, he just, you know, he got upset with it, yes, and then what he did was he stopped it because he thought, well, there's no surprises left, so I can't do this anymore. And today we're married and both of us, we don't snoop when we want a surprise. <laughs> we, actually, we actually ask Spirit to block the other one so that they don't know what we're buying or what we're planning because oh, it's, be not, it's no fun. It's no fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, living with us is, is very different and you know, being us is very different to the average person who doesn't tap into these abilities. Yeah. So, And I won't say that we don't have surprises because we do. A spirit doesn't tell us everything. Spirit does lead us um, to certain things at times and other times they leave it wide open because we need to experience it. If they told us everything, then there would be nothing to learn. There would be nothing to walk through. And, you know, people come at times with um, uh, readings and they say, well, I was here three months ago and you didn't tell me that my mother was going to die. And, you know, that, I mean, there are times when I can tell them that. But there are times that no, because spirit does not want that person to know. Spirit does not want them to go through hardship with it perhaps. You know, they don't need heads up beforehand. They just need to go through the process and there, there is, you know, that's what's happened. And then, hey, as soon as mum dies, then I can connect with her so there's no loss. And spirit doesn't want to tell everything. It's not necessary because we need to learn. Absolutely. Simple as that. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I can see that because if you know going into it what to expect, then that's going to alter your free will. You're going to have that's, too much time fine. to think about it. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, we, we can perceive things very differently to what they are as well at times. You know, if you've got a person who's a very controlling person and you tell them, relax, it's just going to all fit into place, they can't even imagine it fitting into place. So if they don't have control of that circumstance, then they they don't feel that they're them. And that can be very difficult in that way. And that's probably one of the one things with readings when you try and guide them with what spirit is giving them that, you know, people are very, nope, not going to do that. Nope, don't believe in that. Nope. And usually six months down the track or maybe even a week later, they ring and go, oh, my God, you were so right. It happened. (laughs) 
I can okay. relate. What would we like to work on now? Yes. Do you think that the, the times have changed? or? Yeah, the times still haven't changed enough for a child that's in who feels feels that they have clairvoyant skills in any way, psychic-wise. Psychic um, the biggest thing, and I had to do a lot of self-healing with this and a lot of loving my, my little self because of this, to, to forgive myself for the anger and the upset that I went through and to forgive the people in my life as well. I mean, and, and mostly what happened was the, the girls were very hard on me, but the guys weren't. The guys thought I was cool. The guys liked talking to me. The guys, you know, understood that I could fix things for them or make yeah. them feel better. But the girls were jealous and the girls, girls went through that. Well, how come the guys always sit with you or, you know, the teachers always talk to you? And listen, I, I might have fixed the, the high school kids too, but I fixed some of those teachers as well. There were many times that I had a lunch with the teacher that I could talk through things and that was just too bizarre it really was. And there's many people out there that, that do this unknowingly and, and perhaps now they can understand. The biggest thing is to get off your own back and say, you know what, I'm different but it's okay. And more and more in this world we have to understand that everybody is different and everybody is precious because of that difference. That's the issue that people don't give themselves today. It's okay to be different, like yourself, and add all those extra things that all of a sudden come up or feel different, find out more. And thank goodness for the internet because it is a source of information that you can find out more. I mean, back in my day, I, I didn't even know the words. Nobody said psychic or clairvoyant or healer or anything like that around me in my family. I had a, I had a dictionary. I had the, the um, Britannica. But I didn't go to them to find out what that was. I just thought that I was a sad person and nobody understood or wanted to listen to what I had to say. So today it's very different. And, of course, if you have your label as the clairvoyant psychic, you have so many people who want to be your friends. It's not funny. You know, we can get invited to dinner parties because we're the party act, the party trick, or we can actually clear those dinner parties very quickly too. The minute somebody says, oh, and what do you do, Kay, for a living? And you say, I'm a clairvoyant medium. Oh, really? Look at the time. Well, nice to meet you. I'll see you later. <laughs> Interesting. So yeah. at what point then did you really start you said that you finally had a label for it at 25 and and you you started to get a better grasp of it at what point did you really start embracing this gift that you were given and and really start utilizing it to help people How, or, or at what point did you realize that you could help people once I had a label I started going to all the little mini seminars and finding out more about this and what disturbed me was that there were many people on on that spiritual road that were just as unhappy as I was even though they claimed who they were and I thought wow is this this how it's supposed to be and I got really confused and I got really despondent with people and you know I had this wow isn't this exciting I, I can't believe I'm a clairvoyant and and these people would sort of pull me down with oh well wait until you find out really what you have to do and all how people are going to treat you and oh and everything was negative I, I came across that instead of real positive so what happened was I went into this greatness and then I shut down so it wasn't until I was 35 then ah, that then spirit took everything away from me I couldn't get a job nothing worked with my relationships I got sick one after another 
of things that happened to me that I just could not go on that normal route that we do in life where we just ignore everything else and do what society expects, that you just work, behave, be a good person and everything should fall in place and it didn't. And in that time of that year, around 35 as I said, that was when spirit could actually hold on to me tight and start talking and working with me and that was the most profound year I have had in my whole life because out of something absolutely disastrous, I mean, I was absolutely broke. I was sick. I was constantly sick. I had chicken pox and yet I had chicken pox when I was a little girl and the doctor was just beside himself because he said, but this just doesn't happen. You don't get it again if you've already had it. Well, I did. And from chicken pox, I got the shingles. And from shingles, I was about to get out there and start a job. I had it all lined up and everything and all of a sudden I got pneumonia. And so I was on a machine four times a day trying to breathe and I was an absolute mess and I said, I said to the universe, why, what are you doing? And I heard these voices say to me, draw. This is now we have you. This is our time with you. And that's when I started drawing spirit and I thought I was going absolutely mad. And, you know, that was when I stepped down into the business of working as a clairvoyant. When you came for a reading, you not only got the reading, you got the drawing of your guide and you also got the channeling information for what the guide wished to speak to you about. And for some people, they were really grateful for that and other people, they didn't want to know who their guide was. They didn't want to get a channeling. I mean, I thought it was the most awesome, profound thing. Look, this is so special for you. And that's not what they wanted. They just said, well, am I going to win lotto or where's my soulmate or can I leave my job? <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, I, I, and, and maybe that's a little bit different way of thinking, but I would, the bigger picture, it's not about yeah. the money. It's not about the materialism. It's the bigger picture. Why that's are right. we here? What are you here to learn? And your guide can help you with that. Exactly. And people just weren't, and you've got to understand, you know, that's, that's 10, 15 years ago with that. And back then, people weren't, they were clued into the party trick of going to a clairvoyant. You know, let's see if we can fool her. Let's see if she can know something about me. You know, let's see if she can hit the nail on the head. Um. Whereas today, it's, it's actually more people, and especially, you know, with the reading with me, because I expect to know everything about my life. So therefore, I expect to know everything for the other person's life as well. So I expect my guides to come, come true, come real for me on the information for them. And they will pick up the most amazing, silly little things that will let that person know oh, my God, she could not know that. She's talking to somebody who obviously knows me. And because so what of does that, that mean exactly? You, I've, I've worked uh, a couple of readings with you, and you, you always say that you tune into spirit. And I'm, Absolutely. I'm, what does that look like? What does that mean? You can almost, like lights, turn it off when you want to yep. be to yourself and you don't want to hear it. But then when you center yourself and you turn it on, you can listen uh see see is that yeah. is that what it's like what absolutely does that mean? yeah well there's there's what we call there's the four clairs so clairaudient is that we hear clairvoyant is that we see clairsentient is that we feel and claircognizant is the knowing now many people just have one of those but i have four and I, I said to God this day, yeah, trust you to give me all of this because this just makes it harder. 
But in fact, it doesn't make it harder. It actually makes it even more profound because of those tools. I can feel, hear, know and see when I'm working with a person, even if they're not in front of me. And I take that as an absolute blessing. I take that as that I've been tagged, I'm a vessel for them. And because I give them the control, I step out of this, it is them that will show me. So say, for instance, I had a lady who came to me and she wanted to connect with her husband. And the first thing, as I called him, the first thing he said to me was, where's my bloody teeth? And she looked at me and began to cry. And her next words were, oh, my God, I told my girls we can't bury him without his teeth. Now, he had a false set of teeth, and they're still sitting on the kitchen window. So she was absolutely devastated that she didn't bury him complete. Oh, dear. And that was the first thing he complained about, where's my bloody teeth? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> now, I couldn't, I couldn't guess that. I couldn't think of that. So I have to rely on him to give me a punchline for that client to understand I am talking, I am connected to your husband who can say something to you that you know this man is him. Does spirit communicate with you? Is it like more of a standard way or is it different every time? No, for me it's different every time because, and to explain the spirit guides, Spirit guides have lived lifetimes before on an earthly life plane. So, you know, our mum, our dad, our uncle, our sisters, you know, the friends that we used to work with, whatever, these are the same as spirit guides. They have died after living a lifetime and then crossed over. When they come through, you know, they have these messages, but they must act the way they were in their lifetimes. You know, um, often people say, um, say for instance, like I'll give a message and he and, and the, the spirit guide is really angry about something. You know, you didn't do this, you should have done that, blah, 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 blah. Okay, and the person says, well, no, you're wrong because if they're in heaven, everybody's happy and everybody's, you know, angelic and everybody's filled with love. And I said, well, that's that's the angels. The angels have not lived lifetimes before and they are messengers from God and they do not know how to hurt, feel, get angry, cry. They don't know any part of that because they've not lived a lifetime. The guides do. So if the guide comes through that way, it's because that person needs to understand whether it's a deceased loved one that's working with them and often you can say, well, your father's here and he's angry, you know, you haven't done this, this and this and, this. and they'll say, oh, yeah, that's my dad. If I, if I said, oh, your dad's here and he's sending love and, you know, he's just amazed in how everything is beautiful for you, they would say to me, what? Mm -hmm. That wasn't my father. Mm -hmm. So... They have to behave the same way. And say like the person who sits in front of me who's a, a pot smoker, all right? So usually the guide used to be a pot smoker and understands, ooh, that smells good to me. I'm happy to be with that person. So they attract themselves to the people for those very reasons and also for guidance and they will behave and, and they will swear. If they swore in their life here, then they can swear as well. And for me, I don't swear. I don't use those four-letter words. I just won't do it. It's a vibration that is just not appropriate and Spirit has spoken many times that delivered messages of it is just not necessary in this lifetime to use it. 
However, if a guide comes through and they use those words, I will describe that. I say, this person is saying this because you do this in your life as well. And then the person understands that they've connected to something outer. They've connected to that other realm. They're understanding more and that they, they then feel that they have a relationship and they can have a relationship. And that's what I do with my guides. I have a relationship with my own that I work with that will deliver and then I have a relationship with the deceased loved ones and anybody who wishes to drop in. I don't ever cut it off. I'm probably a little bit apprehensive to do that because I feel that if I cut it off, what if they never turn up again? And I know that's silly. <laughs> but because I work you know, 24-7 in the business with this, I need to rely on them because they are my answers for the people that I work with and also in myself and in my relationship. And that's probably one of the hardest things that Dr. Michael had to deal with when he first came into my life because I relied on them. And when we got married, you know, a normal, a normal statement, he said, but I am your husband. Listen to me. Uh, <laughs> I said, um, okay, Dal, I, I understand that part and I will, but my guides are telling me blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then he would, he would say to me, but my guides are telling me blah, blah, blah. Oh, gosh. So, We'd, we'd have this bit of war and I'd say to my guides, will you tell his guides? <laughs> okay. I can't even he, imagine the dynamic between you he, two. Yeah, ab absolutely. But there was this one day that we had really lo locked in sort of with, with not, not um, understanding each other. And so he went to one room and I went to another and then I went to the bathroom and while I was in the bathroom, and the bathroom is where you get a lot of messages because it's water and it's a, it's a contained room. And in the bathroom, I heard God say to me, you know what, he's in that room and he's complaining about you to me. And I said, complaining? I said, this is unfair. I said, what do I do about this? And he said, well, you go tell him that you know that he's complaining. So I went into the room and I said, Michael, God tells me you're complaining about me. So if you've got anything to say to me, say it to me, <laughs> to my face. Mm -hmm. And he felt really uncomfortable about that, that he didn't even have a space that he could go to where his thoughts were his. So we had quite a lot of working this out in our relationship and whereas when, when you're just as in the norm where you're not embarking with spirit and you're not working that way, you don't have that, that relationship with God as such, you, you just go along your merry way. But for Michael and I, we really had to work this out because, you know, he had his guides and I had mine and I had to really get in tune with that to understand, hey, I must be okay if God wants to give me this, because as we know many people in the Bible, it says, uh-uh, this, this is no good. You know, if you're a self-prophet, then you, you're going to be condemned. And many people in the world today still will not be a clairvoyant or psychic or healer because they feel God will, you know, put upon them and they will be destroyed. You know, famine will, will enter their life forever. And that's not the case. And anybody who wants to read the stories of conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh, you know, you can understand very quickly, ah, God is of love and light. He, he gives us this and every single person in this world has an ability to connect with spirit, to connect with God personally, every single person. We have taught thousands now on how to do this and their, their world has just opened up so much more. Uh, why are so many people cut off? Like I hear your story of being automatically open your third eye is open at the age of five you're ready to yep. go and yep. like the rest of us cut off and, and we're not able to 
tune in? Do you think shutting ourselves down or is it fear? Are we afraid? What's the difference between somebody like yourself who can be clairvoyant and somebody like me who, when I meditate, I'm desperately begging my guides to speak <laughs> to me and, and guide me and I'm, I get frustrated and, well, damn it all <laughs> to hell if you're not going to talk to me that I'm going to go figure it out on my own. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's it's simple. You know, some are better than others. And, you know, it's like somebody who can be a mechanic who's really great at it, has the passion, and the other person is a mechanic, but they're just so-so. So, you know, and it comes down to commitment and it comes down to, well, what do you want? Do you want to just be so-so or do you want to be better? And, you know, many people, and, and when we teach them to become clairvoyant or psychic in that sense and embark on actual a business, I have to, you know, teach them to understand that it's a process. It's like anything, you know, we learn to crawl and then we learn to walk and aren't we so proud of ourselves when we stand up and everybody goes, yay! Okay, but if you stand there and say, guess what, I'm a clairvoyant, not everybody goes, yay! They go, oh, my God. Okay, because people are still scared of it. People um, have been, you know, compounded with religion, and, and many religious people, you know, they believe in God, they trust God, they have faith with God, yet they don't know God, yet they don't, know lo- they don't love God. And, you know, when I was going through all of this, I said to God, well, you prove this. You show me. And I was. I had this attitude. You show me that I am this person and that you need me to do this work because, hell, I am sick of this judgment. I am sick of this loneliness. I am sick of being used. And you say that I need to do this? Well, you prove to me. Well, boy, oh, boy, did he smack me my third eye with that. (laughs) Yeah, I'd have to say so. Absolutely. And I was sick. I was sick on top of that, so sick in my home and I got OCD, I wouldn't leave the house, you know, um, I wouldn't answer the phone. I got so paranoid as to what was happening with me and many people don't go through that. Many people just join a class and bang, they just keep going. But for me, for some reason, I just shut down and said, I'm not even a person, I don't even know who I am, nobody loves me the way I am, I don't know how to love myself and so they had to shut me down to say, look, stop this. We'll take you through this. We'll start working with you. And I wrote and I dreamt and I meditated and I practiced daily and I used the cards. And you've got to understand too, Amanda, you know, when God said to me and and Spirit, my guides and all, you know, we're going to work with you and you're going to work with people and you're going to read cards. And I went, what? I was the person that you had lunch with. I was the person that you phoned that could clear up something or just know something straight away for you. Now you're going to tell me that I have to use cards. So in that year of sickness, I had to open the door with cards and I had to understand how to read the cards and my spirit guides taught me how to do this. And the technique that I use is far different to many people out there. I have people that come for coaching and within three hours they can read a deck of cards and be absolutely amazed what they have seen. I think I'd rather just (laughs) ring you up and just have you tell me. (laughs) No, but but you know what? God and spirit and our deceased loved ones and our angels, all of our guides and our masters actually would hope for this world to get to the stage that you don't need to go to somebody with a shingle hanging up saying, I'm the clairvoyant, I'm the guru, come to me. They want everybody in our families and by ourselves to be able to be in tune and connect this way that we can be in harmony with ourselves, with our spirit and also our spirit guides. 
And that's that's a big ask. We've got a long way to go because well, there are a lot in the meantime, for the rest of us who can't, um, we'll <laughs> call you. you. But for, for somebody who's listening today who would love to get me in contact with their guide or, or find out what's going on in their life, what is something that a reader could expect or what are some things that could prepare them or prepare you rather for a reading what's the best thing for somebody who's a beginner I've been in this world probably since my early college years and and I've worked with every new age thing that possibly be out there I mean I've tried or dipped my toe in it so I'm very open to it and then I've worked with clairvoyance many times over the years so it's nothing new to me but I know that Uh, especially with this podcast, I got a lot of interest. I got a lot of emails and and just curiosity of, well, what, what is a reading or what, if I wanted to do something like that, how would I, what what do I expect? Or it was, I was like, wow, there's all these questions. And they were questions that I hadn't really thought of because I've been in the world for so long. Yeah. The the biggest thing that I ask for a person who's coming for a reading is to be open-minded. Because if they're not open-minded, then they won't accept the guidance. And for me, my preparation is with my guides, with God, is to deliver everything correctly, is to deliver for them, not for me, because it is not about me, it is about them, and to hit the nail on the head many times over in the reading for them to understand as a stranger, I could not guess it. I could not just, on a whim, pull it out of thin air and say, well, what do you think? Does that sound good to you? You shouldn't have left the teeth in the kitchen. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So, and for me and for anybody who is out there who is a clairvoyant or psychic, a healer in that way, if you are not doing preparation, if you are not doing prayer, if you are not cutting cords, if you are not honoring spirit and God with your work, if you are not going into meditation and if you are not thanking, 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 all the time, then you are not going to be as good as you could be because you need that relationship and you need that praise and you need that thankfulness to them to help you guide the stranger that's in front of you. And that person that's in front of you is coming because usually they are in a mess. Usually they are desperate. They want answers and they want it now. They don't want anything fluffy. They want you know, great guidance that they can make movement. And many of the people, especially with my readings, they're quite surprised because they say, well, geez, I didn't come for that. I didn't really want to work on that today. I wanted to talk about winning lotto. And I'm going, well, you know what? Your guide says there ain't lotto until you can fix your life up. And many times lotto is about everything that you can gain in your life. It isn't about the draw, drop, the ball dropping. And that's what people need to learn. So the reading can be like a counselling session and let's jump off the cliff and it's going to be okay because we've got answers for how you're going to land. But basically, I want to help everybody in that hour. Let's move it if we need to and let's be grateful for what's coming. But it's patience and it's connecting and it's it's thanking them. Many people don't understand that if you start with the intention of I'm thanking you for this guidance today, as I go into my meditation, I am believing for the answers that I've asked you. Now, many people lie there in in sort of almost the fright, fear mode. Oh, my God, what's going to happen? What am I going to see? And then usually they don't see anything think, well, that's rubbish. That's That's a load of nothing for me. What a waste of time that is. When, in fact, the meditation time is very precious. It's very personal. And it's always, always necessary to have intent. 
if you just lie there, you'll end up working out your shopping list and if you've got to ring this person and whatever. <laughs> Instead of having the most profound message from Quan Yin or your mother who's crossed over, which you never expected to pop in and say hi with. <laughs> and you've mentioned this a couple of times, the archangels. Yes. I've had a couple of readings with you. You bring the yep. archangels up uh, quite a bit. Yep. What exactly is an archangel? And, and how many of them are there? It seems like there's a lot of them. Okay. Well, yes, there's, there's added on, on people, um, uh, sorry, archangels definitely throughout the time people have done more research with, with the myths and all as well. But the archangels are the higher. And how, how we start with, if you could imagine, let's just place ourselves and we're standing, all right? And behind us, sort of just to the same level, we have what we call our angels. And then just a little bit higher, let's say a head up, all right, we've then got our guides. And then from another head up, we've then got our deceased loved ones. And then we'll add another head up above us and we've got our archangels. Now, the archangels are God's messengers. So Gabriel, who has been reported in the in the Bible for um, giving the message to Mary that he'll, she'll give birth to baby Jesus. We've got Archangel Michael who fought Lucifer. So, and, you, you know, we as humans go on what we can read. But then we have to go one step further. And as I said to you, I was sick for that year. I said to God, prove, prove to me that these people are real. And so through my third eye in my meditation, I had these archangels present themselves one by one to me because I had to have proof. And at that time, I had not done um, Bible work. I had not um, spoken to other people about, well, how do you get this relationship? How do you know about these people? And, and I had to have proof. So for a little while, at first, I thought I was the only person in the world that knew all of this. Aren't I clever? And then I was really surprised when I found out, well, damn, everybody else knows about it as well. <laughs> so... But, you know, when you've got a person in your in your meditation, your eyes are closed and you are seeing a great deal of purple light and then you see this magnificent-looking man who's about nine foot tall with the, the, the chest of a 12-pack that you didn't ever think was possible and these most beautiful eyes and smiles shining at you with these wingspan that's probably as big as a football field, you either say to yourself, you're going crazy or, my God, that's the most amazing vision I've ever had. And, of course, at that time when Archangel Michael came to me looking like that, I thought, wow, I'm single. Are you mine? Is God giving you to me? <laughs> and you know what? He spoke to me and said, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not yours, but I will tell you about the man that I am bringing you. <laughs> oh, well, that, that's a good okay. segue into Dating the Messenger, I your book, right. which ha was recently released. Why did you decide to write it? Tell us about it. Well, actually, it was a bit of a surprise to me too because I did not expect to write it. God said to me, it's time to write. Okay, sit down. And we were breaking up for Christmas, so, so we weren't seeing clients. And Spirit said to me, in the next three days, you will channel this work for us. Now, I've channeled work before and they've always, it's been information for the world. It's been information for certain people. 
And for, for me, I've been very blessed with the profoundness that they have given through me. So I just imagined that I would just sit and do the same thing. So for three days in a trance, that's what I did on the computer. Um, Dr. Michael actually asked me a couple of times, were we going to be fed that day? Um, <laughs> are you going to leave the spot that you're in? And I just went, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and away I typed. And when, when I type, when I channel, you know, God and spirit, um, whoever you're working with, the archangels, the angels, deceased loved ones in that fact, they, when they actually recite to you, they do not say full stop, capital, exclamation mark, uh, question mark. So I actually literally typed everything running together. It's absolute hell for Dr. Michael when he looks at my work that way because he then has to do the spaces and correct the punctuation and all. So for three days, that's what I did. When I finished it, I handed it to him and I said, there it is. We've got to find the title for it. Um, it has to do with relationships. And he read it and, and said to me, um, I think you better better read this again because there's things in here that I don't even know about you. You've not even shared with me. Um, I was We were married. And he said, I have, I had no idea about this. And he said, are you really sure? Because this puts your life on a platter. And I said, well, it'd be fine if it's been channeled from spirit. I trust them. He said, no, Dale. He said, you better look at this. You better read this. And after reading it, I did. I fell apart and I begged God, please, please don't let me do this. Don't make me do this. Don't let this work be out there. This is my personal life. This is my struggle with being who I am. This is my mistakes, my stupid mistakes that I did while I was dating and, and also the fact of trying to kill myself because of all of this. And, you know, God's simple words were loud and clear to me. I didn't let you go through this for nothing. Mm. You have lived this. You have accepted it. You have worked through it. And you have helped many because of it. Now it is time to share it to the world. Oh, well, it still took me three months to have God really convince me <laughs> that I was going to be able to help people through this book. And I've been very blessed with the testimonials, one after the other, and the sales of the book for people saying, my God, you are so me. I have lived this life. I mean, I've had ladies write to me and say, every person you've dated, I've dated them, and you got through this, so now I know I can get through it. And for the people that have tried to kill themselves because they have not understood that they are just slightly different and precious at the same time, they have written to me and said, I laughed and laughed and laughed when I read about what you did when you tried to kill yourself, which then made them laugh about their attempt to do the same thing. What was the one message that you really wanted readers to get most from the book? Did you have one thing? Was the goal about love or love thyself? Or did you not even have a main goal when you wrote it? I had no goal when I wrote it, but God did. When I read it, I realized it was knowing, knowing oneself standing up for who you were and embracing that, whether you were going to come against judgment or not. Bottom line is we are what we are and we can let go of certain things, we can improve, but we must, must love ourselves. There's so many things in here that are private that I don't want people to understand because I had had this facade of just being the clairvoyant. I had not interacted with other people in um, my life and that even though they were sitting across from me and they were going through the same thing that I had at the time or in past, 
I never shared that because it is not about me in the reading, it is about them. Even though I have these extra gifts and, and consider myself to be blessed and willing to be in service, yes, I am just like the rest of you. I hurt, I want to be loved, I want to be appreciated, I want people to understand that I have other things about me that are just not clairvoyant and many people don't see that. There's a story about this woman who I was invited to the birthday party and when I got there I said, could you please not let anybody know what I actually do, I'm just going to be here for the night, I don't want to work. And immediately she drew everybody's attention, you know, clapping her hands, everybody, you know, this is Kay, she's a clairvoyant and she doesn't want to work tonight, she's just going to be here by herself. Well, that served no purpose. And what happened was I was then ostracized in in the group because, you know, some people really desperately wanted to talk to me. Oh, great, she can give me the information. Or they were very scared of me. And, you know, I sat in the toilet what seemed like for hours hiding because I didn't, I was embarrassed that that was done and I didn't want to work. I just wanted to be me for the night. I just wanted to enjoy the festive part of the the celebration. Can't imagine going through life like that. Life in itself is hard enough wherever at some point in time society has created this norm of what normal is. So we all try and fit in this little box that pretty much none of us fit into. And God forbid if we don't, then we are ostracized and we are judged and we are shamed and we go through life and deal with depression and everything else when all we really want to do is live from our hearts but (laughs) something tells us that we can't exactly and when when I was embarking on the dating and people were trying to you know pair me up with what they thought was perfect for me and it didn't work and and you know and I said to one person why why did you even think that he would he would be you know with me and she said well we're tired of you being by yourself you you're the odd one out you're the odd number for us you don't fit the party and I thought, goodness. And then she said, and anyway, you you know, you believe in that spiritual stuff and that God stuff. If you shut up about that, then maybe you'd get somebody. <laughs> that things that I love about the book is because it really is the process of dating and what pretty much everybody puts themselves through in order. What the bottom line is, is we all just want to be loved. We try to f- shove ourselves in the box because we want to be normal. And so we go through these horrible things on these dates and try to I guess give this vision of what we are or what we aren't and then we settle for the person that's in front of us that is probably not a good fit for us because they're shoving themselves in a box and that, so we end up settling and it's just a big hot mess <laughs> that's that's exactly right and what I learned when and and see what had happened was spirit said to me they gave me the information about Michael they told me he was American they told me his name everything was there and then they came to me and they said we're really sorry but he's gone with another I was absolutely devastated Amanda I had waited two years I had visions of this man I knew him I felt him I was excited I was preparing I was ready and he was going to be like me so I thought this was perfect no more pain he would understand me talking to spirit and and being with them and and they said he's gone with another so, oh, I got mad. I got pig-headed and said, fine, I'm a clairvoyant. I can tune in. I can find out who's perfect for me and who isn't. I'm going to go and do this dating game. Well, <laughs> anybody who has an attitude like that knows that you usually end up in a mess. And 
although I didn't end up in such a hard hard mess, it was still messy enough because there were many dates that I didn't feel I could say what I was and I thought I would just lead into that eventually. They might get used to me being a bit odd in that way and that didn't work. And the times that I did stand up front and say, I'm the clairvoyant, la, 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 you know, those weren't dates. Those were counselling sessions. Those were proof of the poor. Those were people who used me as a party trick. And I tell you what, when you date a guy and all of a sudden the, the, the mother comes through or the father comes through to give a message, that's not really a great turn on when they don't understand anything about it and it's guaranteed never to get a date again with them. Knowing what you do now, even though Dr. Michael did go off with another, but knowing what you do now, do you think that at that time, would you have been ready or in the right place had you met him sooner? Or do you think that he appeared at exactly the right time? No, he, he, I was actually ready. And, and as far as spirit was concerned, we were ready to embark on this. And Dr. Michael was actually meant to come to Australia that year to do a seminar and he changed his mind. He put it off and he put it off because he was lonely. He put it off because he said, I can't be bothered. I'm so sick and tired of this. And at that time, he yelled to God. He said, you find me a mate. You you get me a soulmate. You do this. I want this color eyes. I want that color hair, la, la, la. And because he put it out to the universe, that's exactly exactly what stepped in front of him. Because it stepped in front of him, he said, well, this must be it then. This must be it. You answered me immediately. So I must go with this, even though he struggled with the person that actually he was he was starting to embark on. And for me, um, and I was not the coloured hair, I was not the coloured eyes, I was not the character that he'd actually put out into the universe. And that's where it's very interesting too because people, people have this ideal, they have this impression of what they would really like and often... God, you know, spirit can put in, you know, something that's quite different. And so people miss that opportunity. They go, well, you know what? He's not tall, dark and handsome, so I'm not even going to go there. And they miss out. And so when they finally get that tall, dark and handsome and that person could cheat on them or, you know, you know, betray them, you know, all sorts of circumstances like that. And I have many women who come to me and say, well, I want this, this and this and this. And I say, well, spirit says that you're going to get this, this and this. And they go, no, 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 that's not what I want. <laughs> So then this person that Dr. Michael ended up with before connecting with you, one of my questions that I have for you is what is a soulmate? So was that person that he connected with before you, would that have been considered a soulmate or was that, because I would no, consider that, you more of a soulmate. Yeah, that that was actually manifestation. That, that was, that was I'm sick of this, I'm angry, I'm lonely, this isn't fair, and that's what he attracted. We all do this when we've really had enough and when we have a sort of uneasiness to, to that request, we can get into more trouble than it's worth. A soulmate relationship, and unfortunately the movies have really sort of disguised this in the wrong way because the movies make it out to be the absolute awesome relationship of all time, that once you meet your soulmate, you just have everything right. You never have to go through anything again, and unfortunately that's not so. The soulmate relationship is, it can be quite a difficult relationship because usually we bring in past lives. We've been connected before and we bring in past life issues that perhaps haven't been dealt with or, or completed. A soulmate relationship is also where two people are teachers 
one needs to teach more than the other and one needs to be the student and vice versa and people don't realize that many women and even men now are coming to me as well where they say I just want that soulmate relationship but soulmate relationships are hard work because they can be like twins in some some sense you can finish each other's sentence yes you can like exactly the same things or you can be the complete opposite as well. The and soulmate is- always a, I agree with you on the movies, they always yes. spin it off as it's that male-female relationship. But isn't yes. a soulmate, can't it also be a family member, a parent? Absolutely, absolutely. It can be, it can be an aunt who has a soulmate relationship with the nephew. Soul, soulmate relationships are soul connections from past lives and this is where people get really really confused and often a soulmate can come in deal with something for you and then say goodbye and so if you are looking for a romantic part in this that person will not let that person go and so the clairvoyant can say yes it was only for this time but now it's done and you have to say goodbye and they don't want to because they want to hold on to it and the, the person who can't have a child all of a sudden the sister has a child and is more connected to the child than actually the mother wanting love and that soul connection they think automatically that well if this is it then this is all that I can have and that's not so our best friends can be our soulmates and is we that soul to- recognition then Yes, it's soul recognition. Absolutely, soul recognition. And this is where we're getting confused with that soulmate, you know, label. And everybody, I want a soulmate, I want a soulmate, I want a soulmate. She's got her soulmate, she's got her, you know. And sometimes it's not a soulmate relationship. It's simply a very compatible relationship. As I said, if if it's a true soulmate relationship, there's work to be done in that relationship. Dr. Michael and I did not fit in and say, yeah, isn't this great, and life is heaven. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> and and also, too, because I had already been working in the business and he wasn't, and, you know, remember, Dr. Michael is a doctor of medicine. He started switching on even more in his psychiatry work, okay. He started listening to voices and thinking, hell, you know, I here I am trying to, to work with people who are listening to voices, and yet I'm listening to voices as well. He had to go through all that part and he had not worked in the business of of clairvoyancy, of medical intuitive in that way, yet I was. So he was all of a sudden put into apprenticeship and and let's face it, he'd already done 12 years of apprenticeship being a doctor of medicine. And many people, you know, we see these visions, we have these dreams of people that come into our life and so they think, well, I saw it in my dream so that must be the one. Yet they fight continually. They don't like everything that they think that they're going to. Ah, but I saw it in my dream. Or the clairvoyant said it was sort of like this. So I must have to be with this person. And it can create quite a lot of upset in the life and put the person on a different path, definitely. What I teach with many people when they come for love readings in that sense is if you do not know yourself, then you cannot know another. If you do not love yourself, then you will not love the other the way you need to. We are too wrapped up in the beauty of the movie. We have to go past that and understand who we are and accept who we are. We cannot fit that square peg into that round hole. Spirit says that we are um, embarking on too much hardship in our lives and you've just experienced this yourself and what you've gone through. That that square peg does not sit, it will not fit into that round hole. It just won't. 
as much shaving as we like to do with it, it's still not going to work. It does come up to that question of, do you just sit there and force it and settle? Or do you really do that soul searching and look deep inside yourself and really get to know yourself so that you can be a better person? But you can't be your best self if you don't know yourself. That's exactly right. And a lot of people aren't willing to do that. And many people won't do that because they're too scared that they'll never be loved because we've come from love in the first place. We've come from a realm of love and light and source of perfect, precious human beings. And along the way in this world of free will, we have had power and control and we have lost who we are. (laughs) Sorry, I'm on my soapbox. (laughs) No, I I believe 100%. And again, I, I talked about this in the intro with myself. Kay gave me this amazing reading in April and I was very excited to come into the fall and the problem is I didn't do a damn thing she told me I was supposed to do (laughs) and so I called her in October just upset. Nothing happened as you said it would be blah bitty blah bitty blah bitty and Kay's going to give it to you. She's going to tell it like it is and she's going to say some harsh words but the thing is is that it was good for me to hear because it forced me to to make those uncomfortable changes that I didn't want to make but I can honestly say I'm out on the other side I'm on the other side of the cliff and it was worth it (laughs) I so agree I so agree I'm happier than I have been in many years and I think that that is something for our listeners is it's so hard when you're in a place of comfort. You know your routine and that's comfortable and the idea of doing something that is unknown and you're unsure of yourself and that was mine is the questioning. Well, what happens if I do this and what's going to happen if I can't do this or you know, right. you just get caught up in your head. That's right. That that's right. The what ifs are very painful as mm-hmm. well because unfortunately it can keep you too still. You miss those opportunities because spirit spirit wants you to unravel things, yes. Spirit wants you to work on things definitely. But sometimes we quickly change that path. And when spirit has led you to a certain direction and you don't do it or you go a totally different direction, you need to then connect again to say, oh, my God, I realize this this is not right. Now what do I do? And you know what? Spirit's always got an answer. Spirit doesn't say, oh, well, tough. You decided to do that, so we're just going to punish you and you just sit in your hellhole. They're not going to do that. They're going to go, that's okay. We'll get the blueprints out. Okay, now yeah. we move it this way and we find this place and, oh, look, then there's that, that man who's going to come in and, oh, yes, that new job. All right, so we just move you that way have always got an answer and they will never ever leave you in a hole never to say that the process is easy it's It's not not. going to be a cakewalk but the thing is is that if you talk to anybody who's had a challenge they always say they would not change it for the world to the other side it was better that's right and you will usually find then when we have done that process in our life that we don't come across that hell again people want every little part to it but you still have to have a lesson with it you still have to experience it you still have to go through things and that's why spirit will not tell us everything spirit is your best friend spirit is the one who loves you Spirit is the one who will guide you and be your best friend and show you that things are not impossible and you can always work through them. And bottom line, we come from source. We come with purity. We want love. We want respect. 
And that's when we don't have that in our lives, when we don't demand it, when we don't show it, when we don't have an action to it, then we can't get it. And we need to step up into new ways and we need to have less stress. We need to have more love and we need to have more unity. And the only way we have that is deciding, yes, please, I want some of that. In 2012, in February, I hit the Expo for Life Consciousness. I'm going to be there speaking and from there I'm hoping to sign you all up for the classes that we'll be teaching in the later months from L.A., to New York, and I'm so excited about Where's that. Where's the Life Consciousness Expo at? The Life Consciousness Expo is at the LAX in LA. It okay. is the 10th and 11th and 12th of February. I'm going to be there in a booth. Um, it'll be Connect with Spirit and Spirit's Voice. I have a colleague. I'm going to be talking about the book, Dating the Messenger. I'm going to be talking about the relationship with Spirit and, of course, loving oneself. Uh, how can they get in contact if they're interested in working with you? So they can contact us through our website, which is www.connectwithspirit.net. And then you can go into uh, booking a reading. And I'm booked out now until the first week in February. So I'm sorry, everybody, I'm going to have to wait. But I try and get everybody in. And we also have, um, you can do half-hour readings with, with me as well, which is done by an MP3. And you can actually ask three questions. And I will give you a little bit of an intro from your spirit guide. And then I will answer your questions. There is no fluff with me. I will work directly with you. I do not need to see you. I do not need birth dates. I do not need pictures. Spirit will tune in they know exactly who you are i will deliver the message and you will get it and yes sometimes you're not happy with what you hear but you know what when you see it for what it is then we can begin working with it and spirit knows best for you okay i have really really enjoyed talking with you today and i cannot thank you enough for taking the time to sit down with me today and answer our questions and i hope that the listeners today are excited i'm I know that she's not available till February, but trust me, it's very, very much worth the wait. You'll be pleased and very uh, excited. And I look forward to reading for you anytime, any place. Thank you for having me, Amanda. It's been absolutely a privilege, and I'm so, so glad that we knocked you from one end to the other to put you into the happiness that you're now in. <laughs> I've worked with a lot of clairvoyants over the years. It's not about winning the lotto or finding love for that matter. But this life, this journey, it's about finding out who you are as a soul. Loving yourself as you are so that you can open yourself up to bigger things. Trust in yourself. Believe in who you are and know that you are loved. I want to thank you for listening today. I'm your host, Amanda, and I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. If you would like more information on this show or have a question or comment, please email me at zenchakras at gmail.com. You can also visit the blog at zen-chakra.blogspot.com and be sure to join our forum at zenchakra.myfreeforum.org. Bye for now.